Welcome to episode 25 of Lost in Translation. We've made it a quarter of the way to 100, Bobby. It's a pretty big, big, big deal. It's a huge <laughs> number, man. Huge number. 25. <laughs> and a big, a big deal today is um, a Wilmington native son, um, Tyler Roberts. He's a former football player at Merrimack College. He went to training camp with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's now signed to play in the XFL. So the season will start in February. And the journey from from small town public school athlete to professional without any stops at prep or private school uh, is pretty remarkable to me. Tyler, thanks for, for, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So why football? Of all the sport, like you know, why football? Uh, to be honest, I can't tell you. But from the the first minute I put a helmet on, it's always been football. You know, I played everything growing up. I played hockey, played lacrosse in high school. I was a pretty good lacrosse player too. Uh, I played baseball. I played I played everything, but it was it was always football. Even like when I'm in lacrosse season in high school, I'm going to seven on seven tournaments on the weekend. I'm you could count on one hand the amount of times I went and played wall ball. I wasn't – it was all football. It's always been all football for me. Um, you know, what would you say about about the journey, which is, is nowhere near over. It's still in its, its infancy. But, yeah. like, just to make it from a town like Wilmington, no disrespect. I love the town. It's kind of adopted me since I've, I've come here. But, like, it's a small town. The high school was, I'm sure, a little bigger when you were there, but still not exactly like a, a, a big high school. You know, ninety nine point nine percent of kids across the nation that that play football they don't play Division One, let alone play pro. But in Wilmington, it's got to be an even smaller number. Like, how does that happen? Well, just what do you say about the journey? Yeah, like I was saying before, we kind of hopped on. It's something I take a lot of pride in. Um, I think I looked it up. Uh, it's been forty forty eight years before me was the last player from Wilmington to play in the NFL. So who who was this? Uh, I think last name Esposito played Esposito. running back, went to BC, ended up uh, jumped around a couple of teams in the league. I think he made actually made a roster versus obviously we're sitting here in in uh, December, so obviously I'm not currently on a roster. But um, you know that it's something I take pride in, and that's why whenever I get an opportunity to, whether it's through Coach Turner or, or through the AD, I come back and talk to these kids because it's. Like, when I was coming up, no one around Wilmington really thought it was possible. It's all I wrote about every article, every, every you know, writing assignment we had in high school. It, it's all I wrote about was playing in the NFL. And no one around it really thought it was possible because they hadn't seen it done before. So now that I, I can kind of be that face that comes back and, and talks to these kids and they realize, all right, it's maybe a little bit more possible than, than you know, some people might think. And I think the, the only difference between me and some of the guys that I've played with, whether it be, you know, at Wilmington or, or at in college, was that I never gave up. Like, I always believed truly in my heart of hearts that I could play in the NFL, and I still believe that I can play in the NFL. That's why I'm playing in the XFL, obviously. Otherwise, I could make more money being a physical therapist or something like that. But I truly believe, like I always have in my heart of hearts, that I can play in the NFL. So that's as long as I'm breathing, that's what I'm doing. So, again, so how how was the journey? I mean, so now it's XFL. Yep. So I guess the most important question is: Have, have you met the Rock yet? I have. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, down at the XFL Combine in July. Okay. Um. So so I uh, Chiefs let me walk in May. 
Um, and then, you know, there's a little period there where I'm like, like hoping for a call, you know, they mm-hmm. could call me back for training camp or uh, OTAs or something like that. But um, eventually ended up just getting the, my agent got me the uh, XFL combine invite actually through the renegades are the ones that requested for for the league to invite me. Went down there, ran pretty well in the forty. Um, you know, tested all right. I, th- I think I ran I ran four six nine at okay. the XFL Combine at around two hundred and forty two pounds. So linebacker, uh, tight end, tight end, okay, yeah, right around six three, tight end, H back. So yeah. Um, did you ever? Was there ever a point where you thought about you know going to a prep or going to a private? I'm sure once you establish yourself as a player at Wilmington High, they have kids get poached all the time. I know. It's always a worry at that level. You know, right now there's a couple of great players from Wilmington that you always hear like, oh, this kid's playing at this school or this school if he was here. Like, did, did that ever, was that ever on your mind? Did it ever almost happen? Definitely, yeah. And I, I think the, the really the only reason I stayed was Coach Turner at, at the high school. Um, you know, he came in uh, end of my junior year, and, you know, I was lucky or, or the school had me sit in the interview with him, and it was just like, Right away, I could tell he was a guy that I'd like to play for. So, um, you know, I had I do it right now. I'm an offensive coordinator at a prep school. So I had, you know, the BB and N's and and those kind of schools were were calling me all summer my junior year, and uh, I heard some of them out. But at the end of the day, I was like, all right, I want to finish this off with the guys mm-hmm. I've been playing with my entire life. And you know, I was already getting some interest. I went into my senior year with just one offer from a Division two Stonehill College. Um, but but I was already getting some interest from some of the Ivies and you know some of the Patriot leagues and Merrimack was on me at that point already, uh, so some of the NEC schools and so I knew I could I could make it from Wilmington and I knew if I could that's what I wanted to do you know I wanted to finish it out with the guys that I played with my entire life through Pop Warner. That is it's an amazing accomplishment because I mean, well in you know in basketball you see such an exodus of. Of kids going to uh, leaving their public schools and going to prep schools that you know now the the public schools are are you know vacant right from from the really t- you know they have no more talented kids. It, it, it it's crazy. I mean, I'm so I'm I'm 39. And I think I was right at the end. 2002 was my senior year, and I had some preps that were talking to me. But it was like I was like I don't want to do fifth year high school. <laughs> like I don't want, I don't do that. Um, like because they were talking about for like a PG year. But now it's like everybody. They leave, they reclassify. Like I look at Ringe, and like Ringe used to always have like you know star basketball players. You know they'd be there for four years, and a couple of them would go play Division One. And now it's like, nah, they're out mm-hmm. after. Like if if you get too big too too soon, high school players from at a public, mm-hmm. they're they're gone. So it's that's one of the remarkable things to me is you staying at Wilmington High for four years and then making it to a Division One, let alone making it to a pro contract is and, crazy. And I probably shouldn't be saying this, you know, as a as a prep school coach myself, at least I started this past year, you know, when I wasn't, yeah. I found out I wasn't going to be playing in the fall. I'd already been drafted uh, by the Renegades in the XFL. I took the, the opportunity to coach at a prep school. Probably shouldn't be saying this, but but I will. It's not. It's not like the Friday night lights. You know, playing on Saturdays in front of you know schools that only have three hundred students. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the same. The game day atmosphere that you get versus what you get at these public schools in the MIAA. You know, playing the Friday night lights in front of your your home crowds. I think there's something a little special about that that we maybe miss in the public school specter. Um, but but you know, it's something that. Something that, you know, I can't fault these kids at the same time for wanting to go prep because I th- you'd be lying if you said they, did, they don't get more opportunities out of those schools right now. 
What, you know, we just, I mean, now we're heading towards Christmas, but it still feels like it was just Thanksgiving and Wilmington High, you know, they were so close to, to pulling off their first win in, in 14 years over Tuxbury. And so that means that you're a Division One player, a pro, and you didn't get a win over Tuxbury all four years. What do you remember about, what do you remember the most now about your time in high school, about your time playing for Wilmington High, what are the memories that 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 stick out to you now that you've you've played Division One, you've you've you're, you're you're heading into pro ball? Like, what do you still remember about the high school experience? Yeah, I've said this to some of my buddies that I've played I played high school with is right. I've been in training camp with the the Kansas City Chiefs, right? I've been coached by Andy Reid, and the number one thing I regret more than anything is we lost to Marblehead in the playoffs in high school. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget that. I was crying on the bus ride home like a baby so you, you know there th- those are really truly memories that stick with you for the rest of your life regardless of how much you play you know I started 40 something games in college I was a two-year captain you know honorable mention all-american first team all-conference but the thing that sticks with me the most is you know we lost to Marblehead my senior year of high school those are the ones you always remember. yeah <laughs> yeah that and we lost the conference championship in college but those both sting so why Merrimack how did that that come about, and I mean, it's it's kind of cool that it's the probably it's the closest. I think, I think it's closer than UMass Lowell, even out of the Division Ones to Wilmington. So that's kind of cool. Maybe for some yeah. people, it's like I wanted to get a little further away from home. But like, why? What was it about Merrimack that that's where you wound up? Well, I mean, to be honest, I didn't have my pick of the litter. You know, I wasn't a guy that came out with thirty offers. You know, I had you know two maybe two scholarship op- scholarship offers, an IV in the mix, and then a couple of walk on opportunities. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I, you know, was picking a school out of a hat. I could name off one hand the amount of Division One schools that gave me an opportunity. But for me, it was really, I, I took a game day visit there, which at the time I didn't know it was their homecoming game and first game in their new stadium. So find out, you know, not every game is quite like that game day visit I had there, but they truly do have the best crowd in that league. And, you know, I think there was something like 10,000 at my game day visit and I was there after being at, you know, maybe I was at UNH or Stonehill the week before, and I was like, this place is awesome. You know what I mean? So so that that was one thing that sold it. And then the other one is the overnight. Um, you know, they get you a recruiting host, and I think they gave me, you know, the kid who probably brought more recruits to Merrimack than anybody in, in Merrimack history. It felt like the kid had to recruit every weekend. But um, it, between those two visits is really what sold me there. Um, and then Coach Karn is just, you know, I would still, like, I'd go – stand on the sidelines for some of their games that I can make it to now, I'd still run through a wall for that guy. So That's awesome. So the coach was uh, instrumental in, yeah. in everything you were doing. Huh? Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, played eight years of fullback in the NFL. And, like, oh, wow. he's still, like, he'll be in the weight room before practice just incline benching 350 pounds, <laughs> wow. veins in his neck popping. So he gives you a pregame speech. I would run through a brick wall for that guy. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this is just to me. Your senior year high school coach, Coach Turner, what you said about him, college coach, that you were, you know, fortunate in some of the coaches you had. Uh, you know, I wasn't fortunate in high school uh, or college to have coaches that I felt like were really people that I looked up to mm-hmm. or, or any of that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, just what would you say about the importance of those coaches at that part of your career you know played in, in in your development as a player and as as a person you yeah know? I, I mean I, I credit I, I was not the same person leaving Merrimack that I was coming in you know I was a obviously a way better football player because of the amount of games I played there but but the person I am is really what's gonna you know I think help 
helped make me successful in life. You know, just having that ability to deal with adversity and having the, like the ability to create friendships and, you know, teamwork, all that sort of, you know, cliche stuff that colleges will sell you on. It's really, it's true. It's so true. I was not the same person leaving uh, that I was coming in. You know, we use the saying, leave it better than you found it. And, you know, I think like the, the, most streamlined way that you can, you know, translate that phrase is, you know, I leave the weight room cleaner than, than it was when I got there or Mm -hmm. the classroom cleaner than it was when I got there. But, but that place really left me better than it found me. Like I was a better person in all aspects of life. I was a better brother, better son, better student, better employee when I left than I was when I got in. So did you, did you have those, hopefully you had a couple of them, but have you ever had the moments where the coach challenged you personally? Oh, yeah. Um, better? So I think in college, at least, the, the most challenging part of that was my, my freshman year of college, I was you know fortunate enough I started all 10 games as a freshman. Um, as a linebacker, I finished with something around 60 tackles and was named all-conference as a, as a freshman at linebacker. Wow. And then it's winter of going into my sophomore year. We're in winter workouts. The head coach uh, pulls me aside after a workout. He's like, hey, uh, I'm thinking we're going to move you to offense. You're going to start playing tight end. And at first, I'm like, all right, sweet. Jabril Peppers is playing at Michigan right now. I'm like, I'm just going to be playing both sides. Like, uh, it's going to be awesome. And then I realized pretty quick as we go into spring ball, my defensive days are over. And tight end is something that, you know, I, I played very limited snaps of as a, a senior in high school. You know, I was mostly playing X receiver or like I played some of your move tight end stuff mm-hmm. or even a tailback. But it's it's something that I'm like, like was not very super accustomed to, um, and they he moved me after coming off an all conference season as a freshman. So you know I didn't really understand where he's coming from, um, and then I finished my sophomore year starting every game at tight end with something like six catches. So I'm like, why did they move me just to not get me the ball? Like I, I feel like I'm making way more of an impact on the other side of the ball than I am finishing my sophomore year. Started every game finishing with six catches. It's like I didn't really see the vision, but then you know the more I trusted and believed in him and he challenged me like you were saying uh, it just you know I finished I my uh junior year of college I had 54 catches in the now, season what was it so, that he was challenging you on what did he say you know it's it's just more of a to have a belief in him you know to know that the coaches truly have your best interest in mind or the best interest of the team in mind they would never you know intentionally steer you in the wrong direction at least a good coach wouldn't and, and Coach Karn at Merrimack is m- most certainly a good coach. So, you know, just to believe in him and trust, you know, the process of it to go from whatever I had, five catches, six catches my sophomore year to having nearly 60 in, in 11 games my junior year is like that really like just believing in him and buying into that process is the only way that I got to that point. What would you say about growing up in Wilmington? Not to, you know, we kind of bounce around a little yeah. bit here. And, <laughs> and I still find it. It's fascinating, and I've worked here now for more than a year, and I've gotten to know the people in, in the community, and they've been great to me. They've been great to my wife during her. She's battled breast cancer the past year, and luckily things are, are, are really – she's cancer-free right now. And um, But growing up, I, I'm from the city. My high school was almost 3,000 kids when I enrolled there. I'm out here, and it's like – it's so quiet, yep. you know? And I asked the high school kids, like, what do you guys do? Like, be honest with me. Like, off the record, like, what do you guys do here? And they're like – hang out in the McDonald's parking lot? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what was it like live, growing up in, in Wilmington and living in Wilmington? Yeah, I mean, it's all I've ever known. I was born and lived my entire life so far in Wilmington. So I think, obviously, 
you get a pretty tight knit group, tight knit group of friends that way. You know, uh, you, I kind of know everyone um, that I went to at least graduated high school with. Um, you know, I, I wish that maybe the town was a little more athletics driven, but I think they're getting back to that with Coach Turner and then obviously Ingram being recently yeah. hired as the AD. I think he's doing a great job so far. Um, and then you know, there's not another high school in the state with you know something like this going on at WCTV. So. Um, you know, I, I, something that I, I told, even told when I went and talked to the pop honor kids, I was like, something I take pride in, right. You want to be able to tell kids like you're from Wilmington and they they go, Oh, that's a, you know, that's a good sports town. That's a good football town. Um, whereas, you know, you kind of want to have that, um, like that name recognition tied to it. But, um, you know, maybe that's something that we didn't, we don't have a ton of right now. So I'm excited for them to, you know, kind of get back to that winning tradition. Are there, uh, from not making the NFL immediately, all right, because we got time, yeah. from, from not making immediately, what were, what were those self-doubt questions that, that, you, that you actually have at night? Do you still have them? You, you see, I think actually my time in the NFL, more than anything, eliminated some of that self-doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I left there realizing, all right, I truly can play in this league, like, I'm next to, you know, I was playing with guys like Rasheed Rice, who right mm-hmm. now is, you know, kind of lighting it up on Sunday. Or, um, you know, even there's, like, mostly rookies while I was there, but there are fourth-year guys that are still considered rookies because they haven't played in enough right. games yet or whatever it may be. But I think, you know, I, I think great athletes are greedy athletes. So but by that I mean not greed as in, like, money or, or anything like that. Greed as in you give a great athlete a small opportunity, mm-hmm. he takes as big a piece of it as possible. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I was given a small opportunity, and it's it's on me. I got to do more with that opportunity. So if I get another, you know, I'm going to do more with that opportunity because to be a great athlete, you have to be greedy. Um, I, I do. I think I played pretty well while I was there, but at the end of the day, obviously, there's more I can do to give them a reason to keep me and to be greedy. What 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 um, adversity do you? What, what what are the moments in your career that were kind of you feel like? You, you, they were the obstacles that you yeah. faced so far. It's pretty young in your career, but I think you had an injury, and in, in, oh, yeah. uh, and, and so can you talk about adversity that you yeah. faced every day of the last year and a half? Um, so <laughs> June of 2022, I'm going into my senior year. Um, you know, I, I coming off a great year, like I said, all New England, uh, first team All Conference, all that stuff. Bunch of NFL teams sending scouts in to see me. June of my going into my senior year. Um, tore a hamstring in my left leg at a uh, summer workout where we're running 40s or running 10s, 20s, whatever it was. Third step off the line, boom. It felt like I got shot. Someone was up in the in the tree line. Tore my semitendinosis, which is a hamstring in your left leg. Um, rehabbing that, obviously, um, ha- it happening in June gives you some time where I was cleared probably, I don't know, a week before our first game. We were playing Holy Cross. So I get cleared. I'm, I'm full go probably a week before our first game. I miss all of training camp. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, there's probably 20 teams that came in during throughout that training camp, and i am got to explain to all of them, you know, why I'm not practicing. Uh, like coming off a year I had, why I'm not practicing in this training camp. But I get healthy, go into Holy Cross, play pretty well that week, play pretty well against Harvard the week after that. Uh, we're going into week four against Delaware State. Uh, we're up at least two scores, maybe three in the fourth quarter, and I just take a hit to the outside of my knee, and I tore my MCL on my left knee. 
Um, so then I'm out six weeks after that, come back for the last two games of the year. But, I mean, I was a, a, a no, no threat at all in the receiving game. Um, you know, I just come off of a completely torn MCL in six mm-hmm. weeks. I'm wearing a knee brace on my left knee. Like, I'd be lying if I told you I was the same right. same player in those last two or three games of the year than I was in 2021. Um, so, you know, obviously that's in itself is – ton of adversity I had to go through, and then you got to try to convince an NFL team after that to take a shot on a guy based off of what he did in 2021 because the 2022 season is essentially a wash. You know, I played, played in reality, zero games healthy because the first three weeks I'm still getting off a completely torn hamstring. After that, I completely tear my MCL. So, uh, like, like I said, um, almost a complete wash in 2022 and you got to convince it's up to my agent and I to convince teams to take me off of what they saw me do in 2021 mm-hmm. which making the NFL in itself is obviously an uphill battle so that didn't help um, but I had a, a you know a great PT system whether it be at Merrimack where I was going to athletic evolution which is also right here in Wilmington um, for my physical therapy stuff end up getting pretty healthy by the time pro days come around and I ran pretty well at those pro days um, my shuttle time was four two zero, which would have been number one for tight ends at the NFL Combine that year. Um, and, and then, obviously, by the time the the that mini camps and stuff came around, I got to get that brace off my knee and started kind of mm-hmm. feeling like myself again. But the the problem with the NFL is, you know, part of it's a numbers game. So, kind of if you get in behind the eight ball, you got to give them a reason to put you in front of it. Um, and I just obviously at the end of the day, it's on me to I, I got to do more there to to give them a reason to keep me. Um, but obviously the goal this next time around is to get in the league a little higher up the depth chart. So then maybe it's a little easier to make those rosters. So, um, so tell, tell me about the, the process. So when you're in camp, um, you're playing tight end, of course, yep. right? So, I mean, is it, I mean, are you looking for a great block? Are you, are you looking to, you know, what do you do to actually stand out? Because I, I can't imagine that you're going to get a lot of opportunities with so many people there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I like. I wish that these mini camp stuffs. Obviously, the veterans in the NFL would disagree, but the the mini camps in the OTAs, you don't have pads on for all of them. So, okay. so the blocking game is very limited, and that's part of what I do so well. Is like our, your classic split zone blocks or blocking linebackers in space, stuff like that, is a huge part of my game. That you know you're not really showcasing, maybe when you don't have pads on. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's part of your game that's kind of getting taken out. To, that you could potentially be showing this, the scouts or the coaches during those practices. Um, it's, but so, yeah, you got to do what you can in the receiving game, you know, show them like great fits in the run game. And then you got to push the envelope a little bit. You know, you got to like guys on the defense are going to hate you. Like, like you have to, you have to, if, if those guys hate you, you're doing something right. Um, so whether it's, you know, pancaking a DB on a screen or something like that, even though you have no shoulder pads on, you know, he might be pissed at me, but. You know, you got to do what you got to do to to get ahead of the eight ball there. So, can you tell me about when it didn't your first training camp uh, invite when it doesn't work out? But you told me you got some good feedback. What was the feedback you got, and and how do you handle that setback? Yeah. Know? So so I mean, I think a lot of guys, you know, they just get a pat on the ass on the way out. You know, it's it's just a you know like have a good life. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, thanks for coming. You know, you, you gave us our draft picks, some some dummies to work off of, like, have a good life. But uh, like I said, mentioned the guy, Chris Shea is actually a local guy from Belmont, is their uh, VP of player ops. He pulled me aside 
um, after camp, and he's like, hey, you're playing really well. Um, we're just not sure if, like, you would take that fullback spot for us. We're just not sure if we're going to keep one this year. And they ended up, it's the first year in Andy Reid's tenure that they don't have a fullback on the roster. So, you know, it is what it is. But um, he, he pulled me aside, and, you know, at least he told me, like, you you played really well. Um, you know, stay ready. We could bring you in for a workout whenever. So, you know, after they, they let me walk, um, I'm still, you know, training like I'm going to be in camp with them mm-hmm. because, you know, if, if your opportunity does come like that and they invite you to, you know, training camp where the, the whole team gets there in the fall and you're not ready, that's on you. And that's something that I would have to live with for the rest of my life is, right, I got my, my second shot and I wasn't ready for it. So I wasn't going to let that happen. And luckily, you know, there's some a pretty good group of local guys that are kind of in a similar situation as me that we even, like, we're meeting tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. to train together. Um, so, so, you know, that, that makes it easier when there's some guys going through a similar thing as you. So it was really a situation where it was like, all right, your number can be called whenever, and it's on you to stay ready. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing up till this point and you see you're training at athletic evolution uh right now i actually just i <laughs> i lived in my garage so uh, i i have a uh a degree in strength and conditioning or rehab science um and when COVID hit my mom was uh nice enough to move her car out of the garage so i got <laughs> gotta it, love moms. like like 10 grand of gym equipment in there right now it's <laughs> insane um and i just lift down there every morning and then uh, I'll meet a group of, you know, E.J. Perry, the quarterback from Andover. He actually had a Patriots workout today. But uh, Connor Degenhart, he's the quarterback with the Renegades. You know, a couple there's a, re- a couple of receivers. Uh, Michael DeReyes played with the Ravens. Sean Coyne was at the Chiefs with me. Um, and we'll meet at, at a local high school at 10 a.m. three times a week. Nice. And, and it's a pretty good group we got going there. So, Do you guys ever meet up at Wilmington High at your old, at your old we, stomping grounds? Uh, we, we try to pitch somewhere local because everyone's coming from all around. Um, and I was I was having trouble to be working out of Wilmington High with the gym classes a little <laughs> earlier in the year, so I started stopped going there. But um, we meet at Woburn High School mostly. But. So did, did did you say that your quarterback for the Renegades is is one of them? So your yeah. potential your quarterback is also working out with this offseason. Yeah, What's so like? so their starter uh, Drew Plitt actually is with the Bengals right now because obviously they're going through some some injury stuff. He's the one of the backup quarterbacks with the Bengals. Um, Connor was a guy who played at uh, University of or Holy Cross and then the University of New Haven, and then I didn't know him at all through that. He played at Westford uh, Academy. I didn't know him at all through that, and then we end up. We both played in the FBS Tropical Bowl as our all-star game after college. We both ended up combine training at the same place. Um, we both ended up with the Chiefs together, and then we both got drafted by the oh. Renegades. So it's kind of like an insane sort of sort of thing that's happened. That like, I didn't know him at all throughout high school or college. Uh, didn't play him in college because he left Holy Cross. I played Holy Cross three times, but he left the year before we started playing them. Um, so didn't know him at all through high school and college, and now every single game or team I've been with after college, he's been on the roster. Sounds like he's stalking you. Yeah, <laughs> a little weird. We're gonna uh, probably live together down in Texas too. So, so what what are your thoughts on that? I think what what should people know about the XFL? I know this is a new incarnate. People like me remember it from when I was in high school, and he hate me jersey. You know, they can mm-hmm. have whatever they wanted on the back of their jersey and stuff, and. But it's a new incarnate. Like, what should people know about the XFL that that 
don't know anything about it. I mean, it's really just the talent in those leagues is something that a lot of people really don't realize, like how deep the talent pool is. Like you look at the the kicker for the Cowboys this year is 30 for 30, hasn't missed a kick all year, just hit one two nights ago, hit one from 60, one from 59 in the same game, first time ever done. He was in the USFL last year. You know, Kevontae Turpin, their return specialist, was in the USFL last year. P.J. Walker, who's actually has the same agent as I do, was in the XFL two years ago and now is starting games for, you know, different NFL franchises. Um, and, I mean, there's way too many guys to even list, like uh, between O-Lyman, D-Lyman, that people wouldn't even know. Even, like, my punter for the, the Arlington Renegades is Marquette King. <laughs> and I think everybody knows who Marquette King is. But... Uh, I do not. Really? Really? (laughs) He was, you know, just kind of a a famous punter for, you know, he kind of brought a little swag to the position in the NFL and, you know, he would celebrate after all his punts and (laughs) stuff like that. But, um, you know, there were big names in that league. Tavon Austin, who, I mean, I think I watched his high school highlight tape or college highlight tape at West Virginia a hundred times when I was in high school. But um, the talent pool in the XFL is a lot deeper than people realize. Um, just because you know the, the NFL doesn't have a, a, a you know a named um, minor league like some of these you know NHL right. and and um, MLB teams yeah. and NBA, NBA teams do. People don't realize you know how deep the talent pool is. So you know, I think one of the things that athletes, certainly in my case and a lot of people, it's like what keeps you up at night is when you know that you you didn't give it everything you had there was something left in the tank or you know things that you could have done better or differently you don't strike me as someone that that has those is going to have those regrets it seems like you've really you know looking at bounce back from injury that you've really given it everything you had and you've kind of worn Wilmington on your sleeve doing it like what are your goals over the next five years and how long do you think you you can you you pursue the NFL dream I mean guys far crazier things have happened do that you've gotten this far to one rung below the NFL like it's certainly at this point not something that I think it's not the same as your middle school high school whoever you know people being like that's a crazy pipe dream mm-hmm. but like how long do you think you chase it and what are your goals for the next couple of years yeah I mean like you said I'm on how you do anything is how you do everything guy so I'm I'm not going to do anything you know half-hearted like anything I do I'm going to do it do it at, to the best of my ability and I'm going to do it full go um so you know, I, I don't think for anybody in the, the XFL really is it a long-term career decision. I don't know anybody in that league is really trying to play in that league for, you know, 10 or 15 years. I think most of us, you know, it's something that you're like, all right, I can commit 100%, three three to four years, maybe even less, if your opportunity comes to this league. Um, I'm going to give it everything I have while I can, and then, you know, if I don't get my opportunity in that span – at least I can say I gave it everything I had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I packed it up now, there's no way I could say that in, in 10 years that I gave it everything I had, you know, because I had one training camp, um, one, one training camp opportunity. Uh, it's just the way my career, at least in college, ended, it was something that was like, I can't go out like that. Like, I can't go out with, you know, my hamstring and my knee and, and my health being the, the thing that ended my career. Um, I got to battle as hard as I can to get back. No, that makes sense because, uh, you know, even in basketball, you know, you got the CBA. Well, I had the CBA and the D League. Now it's it's the G League. But, you know, the, yes. the, the running joke is always yeah. you don't want to be a record holder in this league. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to get in and, and get yep. out as soon as you can and, you know, make the show. Yeah. 
Well, Tyler, I, I think it's been an awesome, awesome interview, man. And, and I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking some time out of your out of your day to join us. So you're around until when, when, when's mini camp? Uh, uh, so th- there's no real like mini camp or OTA stuff. Or for training the, camp. The I yeah, it just opens up a straight yeah. training camp, which I, I believe starts February 17th. Uh, first game will kick off March 30th. That's around the corner. Yeah, I feel like all twenty-two, twenty-three thousand people in Wilmington are gonna be are gonna be be be, be following you. I know. Hope so yeah, I've been been following from the time I heard uh, two years ago. Like, hey, he this kid's legit getting. Mm-hmm. There's NFL like yeah. like scouts at all of his games. So we're really excited to see where this goes, and 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 hoping that uh, you're able to climb up another rung by the time we see you back in Wilmington. Yeah, definitely. Next time I'm here, it's hopefully in a totally different situation. So. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, thank, thank you for coming in. Um, what what would you tell the uh, the young fellas out there? I mean, I know you go and speak to them a, a lot every, mm-hmm. every time you get a chance, but what would you tell them? Um, what advice would you give them about adversity and, and fighting it? Um, I think, like I said, it's just about doing, doing everything the right way, doing – how you do anything is how you do everything. Uh, that was kind of my message the last time I went to sp- speak to those kids is, you know, if I can't trust you to, you know, get your homework in on time or e- do the little things like that, pick up your trash when you leave the turf field, I can't trust you on fourth down in the Super Bowl. It's like, like I want, like your care factor has to be like that high. Like where, whereas little things like that mean the world to you. That's, you know, that's when it's going to, going to make the world the difference is is when you how you do anything is to the the highest of your ability and the highest standard um possible and then the second thing to those kids is just get in that weight room man like that weight room will change your life i'll tell you right now like i was not the best athlete in wilmington until maybe 11th grade you know like like youth sports i was always good but i wasn't Mm -hmm. that guy that you were like wow that kid's gonna play on sundays like and then I, what I did that no one else did was I, I committed myself to it. You know, I don't, I, I've probably been strength training at least four times a week for 10 years now. You know, right now I train seven times a week. Um, it's just, it really will make a huge difference. And I truly believe there are guys, like, like, like I said, 48 years between me and the last guy that played in the NFL, you can't, there's no way that I am the best athlete in 48 years to go through Wilmington High School. There's no way in heck, right? There 100% has to be, has to have been a better athlete that walked through that doors. Just the difference between me and them is, right, I committed myself to something that they weren't willing to do. Um, And that's something obviously I'm still doing because in my mind, I haven't even come close to making it yet. But but like I said, you know, it's just it's just having that standard for for your product, whether everything it is. That's awesome. Okay. Awesome. That's, that's one of the best quotes we've 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 gotten on this show, man. To to send us out, man. That was that was absolutely awesome. So I, I can attest to the weight room. I I I won't spit out my stuff here. <laughs> I'm an old fat man at this point. But yeah, high school. I remember the difference between junior, sophomore, junior, senior year. I went from. I think uh, junior year I was like five seven hundred and sixty pounds. Senior year I was like five eight, like a hundred and ninety five pounds, and was throwing around a lot yeah. of weight. And that was like twelve months of like being in there and being dedicated. And, yeah, and it it makes a world of difference. So, I'm, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us, and we're really wishing thank you, you good both. luck. Thank you both. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you.